Uh, do sit down, please. Uh, now, we're going to do the reading in a slightly different way uh, this evening. Uh, it is, it's a reading. It's from the first part of Matthew's Gospel, and it's Jesus' family tree. And there are a lot of names, and it can be a bit daunting and a bit confusing just to hear it read. Uh, so we've just tried to give it a little bit of context and to fill it out a little bit uh, so that what Matthew is saying would make a bit more sense to all of us. Uh, but it does require some active participation uh, by all of you. I know Louise is so pleased. She's like, oh, yes. So um, there are, you've got to watch the tennis rackets. Uh, a, because sometimes these fall off, but B, because uh, you need to... Now, if I hold it up and you see a smiley face, you've got to do a big cheer. Okay, so let's just try that. Are you ready? Yeah! Beautiful. Okay. If I hold it up... Now, if, if you see this sad face, I, saw, I want you to imagine that your phone or your iPad or something has just sort of suddenly gone wrong, and it's a kind of, uh-oh, kind of thing, or, so, or some noise to that effect, you know, so, it's a sort of noise of disappointment and confusion. Okay, so whatever you fancy, really. So, let's just try that. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay, so we'll just, one more practice, so... Lovely. Uh, so keep your eyes on this. Uh, and uh, this is a really great reading. Uh, it's Matthew telling us Jesus' family tree. And once we've heard it with a bit of context, George is going to do this amazing thing where he comes up and makes complete sense of it all. And it's going to, exactly, it's going to be a wonderful thing. So here we go. Here is the family tree of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. Abraham the coward who pretended his wife Sarah was actually his sister. Abraham the father of Isaac whose name means laughter. And Isaac the father of Jacob who swindled his brother out of his birthright. And Jacob was the father of Judah and his 11 brothers who sold Joseph into slavery and told their dad he was dead. And Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother Tamar, for the sake of justice, was forced to play the prostitute by weak and evil men. Perez was the father of Hezron, the father of Ram, the father of Aminadab, the father of Nashon, the father of Salmon, the father of Boaz, who was a kind and decent man. Yay! Boaz's mother was Rahab, the prostitute who welcomed Joshua's spies and protected them. And Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother Ruth stuck with her mother-in-law even when the going got tough. And Obed was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the great king of Israel. And David was the father of Solomon, who sensibly asked for God's wisdom beyond all things, but blew it by being weak and easily distracted. Solomon's mother was Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, whom David had killed. And Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, who was faithful to God for much of his reign, but abandoned God for five years. 
and Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, a godless king. And Abijah was the father of Asa, a good king for much of his life, who turned his back on God at the end of his life and died of gangrene. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, the father of Uzziah, whose pride led to a nasty fall. And Uzziah was the father of Jothan, a very good king in every way. And Jotham was the father of Ahaz, a very bad king in every way. And Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah, who restored the kingdom to holiness and justice. And Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, who ruled as king for an amazing 55 years, but was a very wicked king for all 55 years. And Manasseh was the father of Amon, the father of Josiah, who led the nation back to God when he was only 18. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, who were all faithful to God throughout their lives. In Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, who was father of Zerubbabel, a wise governor of his people. And Zerubbabel was father of Abiud, the father of Eliakim, who was the father of Azor, father of Zadok, father of Achim, who was the father of Eliad, father of Eleazar, father of Mathan, who was the father of Jacob, the father of Joseph, whose fiance got pregnant in highly unusual circumstances, but who learned to trust God. And Joseph was the husband of Mary, who said yes to God. And she was the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. Over to you, George. Well, it's good to see that you're all awake. Please don't now nod off. (laughs) I mean, wow, what a reading. When I saw this passage this last week, I thought, oh my goodness, I've really pulled the short straw on this one. How are you going to preach from 18 verses of a bunch of names? But uh, hopefully God is going to speak tonight. Actually, I'm sure that God is going to speak tonight. Tonight we're starting a new series at the start of Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. And we're... Yay! Thank you. Come on. You are all awake. It's fantastic. We're going to be looking at the life of Jesus, and we're going to be going through for the next few weeks, uh, not on the 22nd, because that's when we're having our carol services, which we want you all to come to and bring lots of friends to in the evening on the 22nd. Um, So we're looking at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. If I was to ask you or say the word insecurity, what would you think? If I was to say the word insecurity, what would you think? You see, the problem is, in our culture today, is we are more insecure people than ever, I would say. We're more insecure than we've ever been before. And I think social media doesn't help this. It's Facebook for us oldies over here, Instagram for you guys down here, except I have been known to dabble in Instagram myself, I must say. Not very much, but thank you a little bit. I have been known to be on Instagram a little bit. But it's these things, it's social media that makes us feel quite insecure. Okay, so picture this scenario, okay? You're having a really good day so far, and you're scrolling through your phone, and you see on your phone a picture of someone that you know all dressed up. They're going to a party or a dinner party. 
everyone else that's in this picture are people that you know, what is the first thought that comes to your mind? Thank you. Why wasn't I invited? Why wasn't I invited? You know, we have this feeling of FOMO, don't we? Fear of missing out, that we're missing all the fun, and we compare ourselves to the lives of other people. Okay, scenario number two. You're scrolling through your phone again, and you see a picture of a friend of yours on their second holiday of the year. Second holiday of the year. And you see this lovely photo, don't you, on Instagram or Facebook. You, you see a book, and you see a pair of feet, and then you see a swimming pool. What is your first thought? Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. That's what the vicar has to say. <laughs> you see, if I know Simon, well, I don't know him that well yet, but what I do get it to know him, he probably would think, what's all that about? Second holiday of the year? It's only April. You know, I can't even afford to go to my grandma's house, let alone second holiday of the year. We compare our lives to that of other people. We feel insecure because we think, well, actually, some people are having a better time than we are. Some people's lives are clearly better than our lives. I'm just going to start by showing a short video clip of what insecurity looks like, if that's all right. And I was more than a little surprised when Dusty showed up one day with his new wife and his new stepdaughter. My stepdaughter, Adriana. Hey, Adriana, Brad. You want to go play? Okay. That's your brother and sister. You guys play nice, okay? Hey, hon, who's at the door? Oh, hey, Sarah. This is my wife, Karen. Oh, is it your wife? That Karen, wow. Oh, she is so great. Turns out she's a doctor and a celebrated novelist. I mean, <laughs> I Open this. Come here, Griff. Oh, Come here, so Griff. Oh. <gasps> Daddy! <sighs> Sweetie, I've been waiting for you to... Just go? No. I heard it go. Well, a, a little bit, maybe. Well, sure. He's a lot bigger than you. He's got legs for arms. I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, because he's gonna like us too. Yeah. Remember Loving Fence? Yeah. Just go say hi. Yeah. Look, I got this, buddy. Yeah. Hey, you must be Roger. Nope. <laughs> Who's seen the film? Yeah. It's a good film, isn't it? If we could have the lights on, please. I can't see anyone. Thank you. Thank you. Who can relate to that? We compare ourselves with other people on a daily basis. Someone, a, a minister that I like, a preacher that I like, put it like this. He said, the problem is, is that we're comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reels. If you're taking notes, write that one down. We're comparing our behind-the-scenes with everybody else's highlight reels. Because we think that everyone's having this fantastic time because we see it on Instagram, we see it on Facebook. Social media doesn't help the fact that we compare ourselves to other people, that we have these insecurities. Other things that can add to insecurities are loneliness, social anxiety, maybe having a critical parent as we were growing up, maybe having a critical partner now. All of those things can add to these feelings of insecurity. 
And I think growing up, I always kind of thought, well, you know, God doesn't use insecure people. God only uses the people that are super holy or super Christian or super, you know, squeaky clean, nice people. Those are the sort of people that God uses. And then I read my Bible. And actually, this last week particularly read Matthew chapter 1. Because as you look at these verses, as you look at these 18 verses of this family tree of Jesus Christ, this dysfunctional family tree, you see that actually Jesus, or God, doesn't use ordinary people. He doesn't use people that that are are really good or really nice. And he does those as well. But it's encouraging to read some of these names and we think actually there is hope for us yet. That God can use even the most messed up people. That God can take anyone, no matter what it is you've done, and take it and use it for his glory. God uses messed up people. As I was preparing this last week, I felt that God was saying, actually there's some of us here in this room tonight, and I think this is probably myself included, that give weight to this narrative. That God can't use me because dot, dot, dot. That God can't use me because what I've done. Because God doesn't use people that are on their second or third marriage. God doesn't use people that have drink problems. God doesn't use people that are in debt. God doesn't use people who are addicted to pornography. God doesn't use people that have drink problems or drug problems. And we've given weight to this narrative that God can only use us if we're super perfect holy people. It's not to say that that we shouldn't be trying to be better, but for some of us, we think, actually, no, I could never do that. And we compare our lives to those people we see on stage. Maybe we look at a worship leader and we think, oh, you know, those gifts I could never have. We compare ourselves to other people and we feel insecure about it. But God is saying tonight, I believe, that he wants to use some of us in this room that don't think that we can be used by God. God wants to say, actually, I love using people that are not perfect. Matthew chapter 1. My goodness, did I gulp when I read this reading this last week. But actually, I think God wants to speak through some of these names. I'm not going to read these names to us again. I think Simon's done a fantastic job of that already. But there's a name that stuck out to me in particular. Verse 5 of Matthew 1. We see this woman called Rahab. Now, Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute. The Canaanites were enemies of the people of Israel. They were not liked by Israel. They were their arch enemies. And not only is she a Canaanite, but she's also a prostitute. And God uses a prostitute in the lineage of King Jesus. To get to Jesus the hero, you have to go through Rahab the prostitute. To get to Jesus the hero, you have to go through Rahab the prostitute. What I love about this is that God didn't change Rahab before he used her. God didn't change her before he used her. I think some of us think that that we've got to be just right before God can use us. If we could have the next slide up. Let me go back one. Thank you, mate. Back to the last one. God's love is not the reward for our change. God's love is the resource by which we are changed. God's love is not the reward for our change. God's love is the resource by which we are changed. This is an odd choice. Rahab, her name means insolence, pride, savagery. 
As I've said before, she was a Canaanite woman, and the Canaanites were enemies of the people of Israel. What had happened is God had told Joshua, who was the leader of Israel at the time, that the city of Jericho was going to become their possession. Okay, so Joshua sends in two spies that are going to spy out the land of Jericho. And as these spies go in, the enemy find the spies and they chase them and they knock on the door of this woman's house called Rahab. Rahab opens the door, she lets them in, she hides them inside of her house. And when the government, when the people of the city come knocking on the door, Rahab lies to them and says, no, they've not been here. She lets them down the wall with the scarlet cord. Okay, this is a person who is basically saying... I believe that your God, the God of Israel, Yahweh, is the God that I want to serve. And I'm going to lie on your behalf. I'm going, to, I'm going to do this because I want to change my allegiance to the God of Israel. To go to Jesus, the hero, you have to go through Rahab, the prostitute. Honestly, God is working through imperfect people. And we see it throughout the whole Bible that we see these people that, that God uses that are so far from perfect, and it gives us hope. It's good news for us that have made mistakes, for us that get it wrong on a daily basis, that God can still use us. What is it in your life that you're insecure about? What is it that you think, well, you know, God can't use me because I've done this? What is that thing for you? And we all have different things. We're all insecure in certain ways about certain things. What is it for you? One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And it's God saying to the Apostle Paul, For my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Okay, the context of this passage is Paul has this thing that he calls the thorn in his flesh. And he believes that he's got this ailment or he's got something. Scholars would say there's many different things that this could have been, this, this thorn in Paul's flesh. But Paul pleads with God. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. And in verse 9, God says, But my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That God uses those weaknesses that we have. That God uses those insecurities that we have. And then Paul says, from verse 10 onwards, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. For where I am weak, then I am strong. What are those things in our life, those insecurities that we think, well, we can't be used because of those things? Maybe God is saying tonight, that's the one thing, that's the thing that I'm going to use the most. Can we have the next slide? God doesn't just use you when you're feeling confident. He has plans for your insecurities too. God doesn't just use you when you're feeling confident. He has plans for your insecurities too. We see in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a fantastic book of the Bible. We don't know who the author of Hebrews was. But in Hebrews chapter 11, we have this thing called the Hall of Faith. Not the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith. And again, in Hebrews 11, we have a list of people who you would not expect to be in the Bible. People like Samson in the Old Testament. Who's heard of Samson? Yeah. Samson was big. He's a bit like John Senna. Massive guy, probably. Could lift tons of stuff. Was a bit of a hero in the world's eyes. But he was a huge wally. <laughs> Samson got it wrong time and time again. And yet this guy 
who made all these mistakes, is written in Hebrews chapter 11 as a man of faith. And who do we see in Hebrews 11:29? We can get that up on the screen. Hebrews 11:29 says, "By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab is someone that is listed in the book of Hebrews as a person of faith. This Canaanite prostitute. You see, if God can use someone like that, and the Bible is full of people like that, then he can certainly use each and every one of us in this room. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes that we've made. If we think, well, that's it, we haven't got another chance, then you're completely wrong. The grace of God is sufficient for us. That's why God's grace is so absolutely amazing I don't think we really realize actually how great a gift this thing is, this free gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. That our sins, all of those things are wiped away because he died on the cross for every single person in this room that we could have life, that we could be free, that we could have a second chance. I think that's pretty amazing news, personally. I think it's incredible. God uses messed up people. God uses people like you and I. The writer of Hebrews goes on in verse 32. He says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David. Hang on. You don't have time to talk about David. This is David, arguably the best king that ever lived. And yet the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know, doesn't have time to talk about David, but he has time to talk about Rahab the prostitute. I absolutely love this. As we look through these names, this is a complete weird bunch that you would not expect to be in the Bible. How many of us, when we're reading our Bible, and we do Bible in a year, or we do some sort of Bible program, and, and we get to a day, and we see this list of names, how many of us just think, ah? Oh, I'm just going to, either we skim read it, quickly do it, or we just skip it entirely. I would probably be a skim reader. But actually, these parts of the Bible can also speak to us as well. God uses messed up people. God uses those insecurities that we have and can turn them and change them to the glory of his name. I'm just going to show, um, or we're going to hear a couple of testimonies now. For the last eight weeks, we've had an Alpha course here at Christchurch, and I'm being biased because I know some of the guys on the Alpha course are in the room, but I would say this is the best Alpha course I've ever been a part of. It was fantastic. And we were getting 70, 75 people come every week. It's not about numbers, but what we saw, or what we've seen God do, has been absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. There's probably about half a dozen people that have given their lives to Jesus. Last week we had the Alpha Holy Spirit Day and people were filled with the Holy Spirit and it was just an incredible time. 
And on the last session we had on Wednesday, the session title was, How Can I Make the Most of the Rest of My Life? And at the end of the video, there was a testimony of a guy speaking who was in prison and who'd come to faith. And honestly, as I watched this video, it brought a tear to my eye. I just want to show this video to us now of how God can turn around the people that you would least expect. So if we could have the video, that would be great. I got in with the wrong crowd and I started to um, pinch cars, burgle houses, uh, become known, me and my friends become known as very high profile thieves really. I used to carry big knives, uh, the, the big knives to the smaller knives down my waist and I was the kind of person where if you pulled a knife out I would use it. I ended up stabbing someone in the head, I ended up um, Stabbing someone just missing his heart and going through the top of his shoulder, uh, the, the top of his chest and his shoulder away. He dropped to the floor, and so I was on the run for two attempted murders. And then I was just, when I went to prison, I had such a hatred for the system, and I couldn't handle being told what to do, couldn't handle prison officers mucking me about. When I went out on association, I got the prison officer and I, uh, I stabbed him. And then this led to me going into maximum security prisons, being put on CSC where they feed you through a hatch in the door. There's no physical contact, so they have to have ride shields and ride gear on. Um, and that was my life for a long, long time, basically. And I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison. But then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an alpha course. Never heard of an alpha course, didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in because they'd sent me down. I sat down on a chair. And I thought, oh no, it's a Christian thing. And we'd just go there every week and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he come to me. He said, right, I'm gonna say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying and I said, uh, God, I said, God, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am. And nothing happened. But then as I was talking to the pastor, I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach. And it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. And I just broke out into uncontrollable um, tears. And I just sobbed, and I just, right there. Because that was a change of my whole life. I knew God was real, um, and no one will change that now. And then I remember <laughs> running on the wing. People clearly knew that I would become a Christian. So I actually helped them on another two Alpha courses. And then I, um, I got released. I've been in a prison where I, because you would have thought that the prison where I stopped the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me. But they were the first, that's how good works. The best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and, and trying to tell them about God. I've got um, four kids and then my life. Um, and what upsets me is because now I know um, that back then, if I had the kids, 
uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing. And now they sit on the night and have Bible studies with their dad. Um, <clears throat> have Bible studies with their dad. Have a life, a beautiful, um, and my life. And it's probably it's my wife and my kids are the best gift, that, apart from the grace God's given me, is the best gift I've ever, he'll ever give me. Didn't expect to cry like that. Recovered now. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I tell you what, if God can change someone like that, and there's hope for all of us here, the power of God, the power of grace. Maybe there's something in your life that you think, well, no, God can't use me because of that. Just look at that video. Listen to that guy's testimony. God can do anything, absolutely anything. He can turn around even the worst of people and use them for his glory. What is that thing for you? What I loved about that guy's testimony is what the pastor said to him. No one is righteous. We all fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. We all fall short of the glory of God because it doesn't make it about us. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus has done on the cross. It's about what Jesus has done for us, the grace that he has given us in him. And that is worth us singing our hearts out until we can't sing anymore. That's why we gather here to worship God because of what he's done for us. To give him the praise, to give him the glory. I'm just going to invite Dan to come up and to share a little bit about his story. Let's give him a round of applause as he comes up. So Dan has been on our Alpha course and it's been an absolute pleasure to see Dan come to faith and all of the things. Dan and I were looking in the baptistry last week. We were talking about baptism and I tried to measure him to see, is he going to, he's, he's, a, he's, a he's a big lad, isn't he? <laughs> I've got the sort of like John Senna feeling like going on right now. But there was about this much room in the baptistry. So yeah, we might have to bend the knees or something. But Dan, thank you for coming up. Would you just Tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us your testimony, how you came to faith. Um, so I spent a long time in university in my first and second and third years. And I was going out every night. I was drinking. I had a big drug problem. Um, I was doing drugs at parties. Um, just generally unhappy with the way that my life was going. Um, I was still doing really well in my studies. My family didn't know anything about it. But when I got home at the end of the night, when it was all over, I was very unhappy and lonely and um, a friend of mine said to me uh, so he said why don't you come to church with me um, and that was back home at my local church and I went there and I started hearing some stuff and they you know they said God forgives everyone no one's beyond redemption I started thinking on that so I thought I'll take take away one of Luke's gospels um, and there's a the passage that really spoke to me that encouraged me to start going is Luke 5:31. It says, um, "I've come not for the healthy, but the sick." You know, Jesus didn't come to me because because I was healthy and ready to be used by God. Um, he came for me because I was broken, mm. and I started attending the morning service at the cathedral, um, 
And I noticed that as I was attending and hearing more about God's word, my life was improving. I was making changes that I couldn't make by myself. Um, and if, if I could just ask one thing tonight, is if you're broken and need to be healed, just come forward and mm. listen to the word and receive prayer and ask God for help because he will help you. Mm. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Let's go. I think I was going to ask you, and I think you've just answered it already, what would you say to people here that are, are struggling with things that, that can't, they can't let go of? I think you've answered it already, so I think we're right. <laughs> I think we should pray for Dan, don't you? Is, if you're comfortable, stretch out a hand. Let's pray for Dan now. Lord, thank you so much for this man. Lord, thank you so much for this oak of righteousness that stands before me here. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in his life. Lord, thank you that you have brought him to you. Thank you for the transformation, Lord, that, that we have seen in him. And Lord, I just pray that you would use him for your glory. Lord, that you would build him up, that you would fill him now with your Holy Spirit, and that you would use him for incredible things, for the glory of your kingdom. For your sake, we pray. And Lord, I pray that he would be an encourager to others. I pray that he would... Pray for others that he would befriend those outside of the church as well. Just feel maybe that's for you, Dan. Lord, use this man for your glory. Thank you for him. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, mate. Thank you. Another round of applause for Dan. I'm going to invite the band to come up and they're going to lead us. And as Dan has just said, you know, come forward and receive prayer. If that's something for you tonight that you think, I can't be used by God because of dot, dot, dot. We all have our things. We all have our baggage. We all have our insecurities. But when we bring those things to the foot of the cross, when we bring them to Jesus, then we can release them. We can give them over to him and he can take them and use them for his glory as he has done in Dan and his life. And what an amazing testimony that is. So let's stand together. It's going to be people that will pray um, over to my left. If you'd like to come up and receive prayer, the prayer ministry team will be there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the grace that you pour out on us. Thank you, God, that you are in the business of using messed up people. Thank you, Lord, that you came to save the sick because it's the sick that need a doctor, not the healthy. And Lord, we're all sick in this room. We're all in need of the great physician in our lives. And I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us, Lord, if there are people here tonight, which I know they are, that are struggling with certain things in their life, Lord, I just pray that at the start of this Advent, they would be able to lay those things at the foot of your cross. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to us now. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.